Hello and welcome to episode 124 of Show Squared. I'm your host, Andrew Chilney, and a great conversation heading your way today. At Show Squared and at Chilney Andrew on Twitter, at Show Squared on Facebook, give the show that shiny, illustrious five-star review on Apple Podcasts and support the work that goes into this by going to chillsquaredshop.bigcartel.com for the sickest t-shirt in the game to become a true chill razor. I'm the only person actively working on the show. Any support at all is greatly appreciated. Chill Squared is a part of the Bruins Lighthouse Network as well as the Hockey Podcast Network. This podcast is sponsored by DraftKings. Got some great things to tell you about them in a little bit. Though I am a full-time associate producer at SiriusXM NBA Radio, this podcast is not affiliated with the company in any way. The opinions the opinions expressed in this podcast are mine and mine alone and may or may not reflect the views of SiriusXM. Joining Chell Squared today is an absolute legend. I'm honored to introduce him to you, friend of the show, Ben just an egregiously way too long. It's been so long since he's been on a hiatus of over two years, which is ridiculous, but he breaks that shriek now. He's your voice of the Seattle Kraken. It is the great John Forslund. John, what's up? Welcome back. Hi, Andrew. I didn't realize it was that long, but thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Appreciate you giving me some of your time. And before we kick things off, how has Seattle been treating you? I mean, you, you've been on the road last couple of weeks here, but overall, how is the city, how is the tre- how is the team treating their broadcaster? Oh, it's tremendous. You know, I, I'm re-energized by this situation. I, I really missed my connection with a team and a fan base last year when I worked independently for NBC. And um, I, I couldn't be happier. I'm very lucky that for the second time in my career, I get a chance to mark time with a franchise as I did for almost 25 years in Raleigh. And uh, we get that chance to do this again. Um, everything has been great. The ownership group, the management of the team, uh, the facilities, uh, the network that we're on, uh, everything is uh, aces across the board. So we can't wait to uh, kick off a homestand here on Saturday night and uh, get the Kraken back in the wind column. That's awesome, man. I know the, the Hurricanes back then, were they were technically a new team, but they were just the Whalers who moved to Carolina. This time, it is a, a brand new team with the Seattle Kraken. But what does it mean to you to be the inaugural voice of an NHL team for the second time in your career? Well, it means a lot, you know. And yes, we were a relocated franchise in Raleigh, but uh, I think it was actually a, a worse situation than an expansion team because in that era... Uh, to compare, Nashville was an expansion team in 98. The Hurricanes moved from Hartford to Raleigh in 97. And Nashville had the buildup and had a season ticket base and had, you know, uh, for that era, what you could do to promote a team and get an area ready for the National Hockey League. Uh, Hartford relocated in four months. Uh, we played out of market for two years in Greensboro. Um, and to be quite honest, it was uh, at times a gong show for a, a phrase that many people use today. So that was it was different and it was virgin territory. And we had to uh, teach the game and reacquaint uh, o- older fans with hockey again. But a lot of new people and a lot of those new people that never saw the game before have become the most ardent caniacs that that team has today. In this market, uh, way different. Major city, major sports town and almost a three year buildup and an enormous uh 
demand for tickets with a 32,000 individual waiting list uh, for season tickets, for instance. The merchandise sales have gone through the roof. They've set records with the National Hockey League. Uh, The facilities are are second to none. The practice facility is a $80 million facility that's the best in the National Hockey League. I've I've been in all of them. And, uh, And the arena... Uh, although I haven't been there since July, and I will get in there on Saturday night, I know that this building will be the best building, if not uh, in North America. It, it could actually be one of the best buildings, if not the best building in the world, believe it or not, because of the amenities that it has. So, yeah, everything has been great. Um, and, again, this is a, a wonderful opportunity as a broadcaster because it's a special place when you can mark time and connect with a fan base and bring them along. And, God willing, I can do this for uh, many more years. Well, speaking of the amenities and the Kraken have yet to see those amenities in the regular season because they've started the year on a five-game road trip. They've went 1-3-1 and one so far, which could be better, obviously, could be improved. But, John, what are some positive and maybe not so positive things you've seen from the Kraken so far as they get their feet wet as a group? Well, they could have won four of the five games. And they probably deserve better, uh, if not for their own lack of execution in certain areas of the game and uh, lack of detail, which I attribute to newness and lack of practice time and the fact that they were given a schedule of five games in three different time zones to start the season. They could have very easily started the season you know, uh, on a five-game swing through the West and stayed in the Pacific time zone. That would have been more, uh, as difficult as anything when you consider the period of time you're away from home and the fact that they played five games. But that this was what it was, and they had to get on with it and, and deal with it. And so what I take away is that they were very competitive in many of these games. Um, I'm hoping that you know, as they come home now and start a four-game homestand, they're going to be able to practice more, work on those details. A lot of it has to do with positioning and systems and defensive coverage and so on. Philip Grubauer was outstanding uh, in goal uh, during the road trip. Uh, they showed some flashes of brilliance on the power play. They showed an ability to uh, generate scoring chances on a team that's probably, to be fair, going to be challenged to score a ton of goals. But they can be way better defensively, I think, than they've shown. And that, to me, is the puzzling part of this whole thing. And we're going to find out, you know, after this homestand is over, if it continues, then it's an issue. If, it, if it's uh, figured out and they play better as a team defensively, and, and I think based on the personnel, they have an excellent chance to do that, then they'll be on their way towards being a very competitive team. And the Seattle Metropolitans won the cup in 1917, which is, which is, I mean, I very obviously was not around. I don't think anybody that's listening to the show was around back then. They folded in 1924. The Seattle Kraken finally play their first regular season home game on Saturday when they host the Canucks. You've been in the building for preseason games. John, what will it mean to the city of Seattle to finally see NHL regular season hockey in their backyard after for the first time in nearly 100 years? Yeah, can you imagine the salary cap back in 1917? <laughs> I wonder. I wonder what that was. Twenty bucks and, 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 you know, and maybe got, uh, maybe a yeah, lunch right? pass or something. Yeah, it was a soft. It was probably a really soft cap, right? <laughs> and and the um, the Metropolitans uh, and then the Seattle Totems of the old Western Hockey League. There, there's there's a lot of tradition here, and of course, there's major junior hockey tradition here with. Uh, the Everett Silver Tips and the Seattle Thunderbirds and Spokane and so on. So, you know, uh, the people are aware of the game, but there, there are a lot of new fans too. Uh, 
There's a lot of people that are going to get turned on in the National Hockey League. But, you know, what's funny, Andrew, is that um, nobody has seen the building yet. Uh, The players have not. uh, We have not. Uh, This team played every preseason game on the road. Uh, Yes, there were home games, but they were played in Spokane, Everett, and Kent, where the Thunderbirds play. So basically the Kraken have been away for 11 straight games. And they can't wait to get in their facilities, occupy a locker room, and get used to it. But it's not like they've had an opportunity to play there either. So it's um, going to be interesting on the first night because uh, Vancouver will come in and they're going to have a pretty good chance to uh, be in the same environment for the first time as the home team. So other than the emotion and the adrenaline and the, the fan support, um, there's going to be a lot of newness attached to Saturday night and moving forward. Well, speaking of newness, Vegas fans a few years ago were spoiled by how great their new team was in their very first season. I mean, not every day there's a brand new team that just walks into a league and makes its way to the, to the cup final. That doesn't happen all that often. And they broke all kinds of records doing it. What are the expectations for the Kraken? I mean, are there any expectations for this team or is it just, or, or is it just kind of like a, well, we have a team, let's just watch them play kind of, kind of year. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think so. I, I think the National Hockey League, among the 32 teams, has tremendous competitive balance. The commissioner talks about that all the time. I mean, it's another phrase for parity. And, and really, everybody has a chance. And for the Seattle Kraken in the Pacific Division, they have a chance. And they should be thinking about making the playoffs. Um, the pie-in-the-sky dream of, of making it to the cup final, I'm not sure... All the teams think that way. What they do think about is getting in. Because as we saw again last year, Montreal, they're 0-4 right now, as you know, they got in. And once they got into the playoffs and they were almost left for dead in the first round, they resurrected themselves, made it all the way to the cup final. So unlike basketball, unlike baseball, and really I think unlike football, in the National Hockey League, if you're one of the 16, 16 teams of the 32 that make the playoffs, you know, then you can start thinking about the cup. Now, there's a handful of teams and, you know, six, seven, maybe even eight teams who legitimately can win the Stanley Cup and, and have to be thinking that way. But Seattle, I think, would just be hoping that in March and April, they can build their fan support to a crescendo. They can get comfortable in their building and make Climate Pledge Arena a very difficult place for the opponents and be in and around a playoff spot. And if they're sniffing a spot, then go for it and see what happens. Vegas was really an unbelievable, perfect storm. Um, The way they were able to take off from opening night, um, they were grossly outplayed in their first ever game in Dallas. They allowed 50 shots. Marc-Andre Fleury was spectacular in goal. They won that game. And then that energy propelled them to a place where they finally came home for their home opener. And you recall the horrible tragedy of the shooting, uh, the hotel shooting. And it was a situation where the team was a rallying point for the city and they took off and they never looked back. And then once they did make the playoffs, uh, that run continued. Um, It's very unrealistic to think that. I also think that that many of the teams uh, in the first half of the season were looking past Vegas a little bit on the schedule. Uh, the Kraken, because of what Vegas did, won't get that opportunity. The general managers have already proven in the expansion process that they were smarter this time around 
Some of the deals that were had for George McPhee were not there for Ron Francis. So he had the same rules, but a little different playing field, uh, to be fair, in terms of how he went about his business and, and, and selecting those players in the expansion draft. So um, I think the expectation is to make the playoffs. And I think that's a realistic uh, place for many of the teams in the league, with the exceptions, maybe Buffalo, Arizona, uh, Detroit, Ottawa, maybe Columbus. I mean, but who knows? Those teams, San Jose, L.A., those all those teams, and look at the starts that some of them are off to. Um, they can do it. So that's the beauty of the NHL. Yeah, I was going to say, John, you better watch your Twitter mentions because the Sabres are 3-0 to start the season. So you, they, they hear you they hear you talk about not making the playoffs over there, and they, they might be very angry. Uh, but you, you touched on the... Oh, that's okay. <laughs> they get mad at me anyway, so that's all right. <laughs> you, you touched on the Vegas Golden Knights and their mentality in the in the in their inaugural season i want to expand on that a little bit do you yeah. think the seattle kraken have that same kind of ragtag mentality of nobody takes us seriously nobody thinks we're anything and yet here we are and we're gonna and we're gonna compete every season are the two teams comparable in that way or do you think they're just they have different scenarios yeah you know it's hard when you're not around it like you know i was a, a voyeur like everybody else with vegas and I did do the, their, some of their playoff games in, in their first season. And the Stanley Cup playoffs in Las Vegas the first time around were spectacular. Uh, still are. I mean, that venue is one of the best in the NHL. And, um, and that's never going to change. Uh, I'm, I don't know. You know, being around this team, I don't get that misfits mentality that the Golden Knights had, at least not right now. I see a group of players, a pretty good group of players, that have experience that understand some of the reasons why they were exposed. Um, maybe some of the players I'm speaking for them, of course don't, but by now they don't care. Uh, by now, all of that's been flushed out of their minds. Um, they're part of this team. They're, they're, they're part of this circumstance. And now one, three and one, they have to figure out how to dig out of that a little bit. Um, it, it's, it's not a, um, a disadvantage. And they're not in a real desperate situation yet, but I will say they have to have some success on this homestand. It's not like they came off a five-game road trip with a little bit of a cushion. Um, they're going to have to win some of these games, and because you can't fall off the pace, you just can't. And once you get, you know, ten games in, and certainly by the twenty-game mark, most teams know who they are at twenty games, right? And that's when we're getting up around U.S. Thanksgiving, and uh, you kind of get a read on where everybody's at. And if you're one, three, and one, and you prorate that out, uh, that's not very good. So I, I, I think they, they want to make amends on that. They want to fix what's wrong with their team game, and uh, and start to prove that they, they're they're better than this. I think that's what I feel being around this team. Uh, a little bit of frustration coming off the road because they were close in so many of the games, but also they want to atone for their own mistakes, which put them in a bad spot. Hey, this is Andrew from the future. Real quick word from DraftKings, and we'll be right back with the conversation with the voice of the Seattle Kraken, John Forsland. NFL fans, hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. 
It's that simple. If a sports book isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Talking to the legendary broadcaster and the voice of the Seattle Kraken, John Forslund. John, so let's let's uh, dive into that a little bit more. And what kind of identity then do you think that Dave Hackstall mm-hmm. and his coaching staff are trying to instill in their players? I mean, in your conversations with Dave and the coaching staff so far, have you kind of gleaned what their vision is for this team? Well, the one thing they always say and I'm, I'm going to toss it out because I think it goes for every team in the league. Well, we want to be a hardworking team, right? And he has said that. And a lot of people have said that, but guess what? There's 31 other teams that want to be hardworking teams. So uh, to me that, that you better be a hardworking team in the national hockey league because every night someone will knock you off. The teams are that close. So what I see, if you're asking me about what kind of identity they're going to take on, they're going to be a, a defensive team. They're going to be a team that's strong from the goal out. They're going to have to win a lot of close games. They're going to have to get scoring by committee. And they're going to have to understand that, you know, that kind of philosophy is going to work. And the only way to be better at it is done is to, you know, execute better than they did in the first five games. And again, getting back to some of my initial comments, I, I see there's so much newness with the group that sometimes they, they come off the game plan. I will say this about Dave and being around him and watching him every day, that he is a tactician. He's going to be systematic with what he demands out of his team. I think he's the perfect coach for this group because, you know, that's what they need. And he's also an excellent, excellent culture builder. Um, when you come from the collegiate ranks, as he, he, he did from North Dakota, he did an unbelievable job there. I believe he was building culture with the Flyers. I think there was some panic there, and they, they kind of jumped ship on him. They didn't give him a chance to see his plan through. Same thing for Ron Francis in Carolina. He wasn't given, it as a manager, an opportunity to see the plan through. So both of these guys, I think it's interesting. You know, you said about the players with chips on their shoulder. I think the biggest chips here are the coach and the GM, and I think that's good. And I think that's something that will propel – um, Seattle or where they want to go with their identity. But that's, that's what I see. And then I think I'm very interested to see how this whole dynamic uh, takes place within the confines of Climate Pledge Arena because we have no idea what the Seattle fans are going to be like. We have no idea what that identity is going to sound like, what it's going to look like. We know the seats will be filled, but how loud is it going to be? Um, the way the building is constructed and the acoustics, it should be very loud in there. The fans are going to be right on top of the rink. Um, I think that's going to be great. 
But if you look at the Seahawks and the 12s, the 12th man philosophy, what has happened with that franchise over the years, I think the same thing will happen with hockey. But that, that'll take a little bit of time. I just, I'm very interested to see uh, how much time it takes before we're looking at this situation and saying, wow, they've got a nice home ice advantage. They're going to need that because they're going to have to grind through games. You mentioned Ronnie Francis, and one of the biggest moves that he made this offseason was bringing in Philip Grubauer, who couldn't get a new contract from Colorado. He got signed to a big deal with Seattle. So far, looking at his stat line, an 8-6-7 save percentage, a 1-2-1 record, and a negative 4.6 goal saved above average in that time span. How much of these stats do you think are on Philip Grubauer and his play, and how much are just an overall team growing pains, defense isn't where they need to be, kind of overall just schematics of the team it's all on the team um uh, they they don't have three points in the standings without philip grubauer uh philip grubauer has been absolutely spectacular in their first ever win their only win so far in nashville um the play was in uh philip's end of the rink 91 percent of the time uh they they whether they were sitting on it seizing up whatever the case uh the kraken never had the puck Nashville had the puck the majority of the time in the Columbus game, uh, same situation. He was, uh, he was absolutely spectacular in that game. It was unfortunate that, you know, they lose it in overtime two to one. They don't have a point without Philip Grubauer. So, uh, opening night in Las Vegas, he was safe for save with Robin Leonard. Um, there's no doubt. There's no doubt about that. Um, his numbers, uh, belie the reality. The reality is on the team. Uh, those numbers should improve. Um, and that again, gets us to stats and, you know, it's hard to, um, always go by the numbers, but uh, the numbers are what they are. And he'd be the first guy to say, I've got to improve that. Um, obviously based on his contract, the term, the amount of money, the investment and what he did last year with a, with a better team, to be fair, there's no question. He had a way better team in front of him than this group. Um, but still. If he wants to be regarded as an elite goalie, he's going to have to move those numbers uh, well north of where they're at. But as this observer has looked at the games, uh, it wasn't on Philip Grubauer at all. It was it was more about turnovers at the wrong time, uh, blown coverages, uh, just this things from organized teams um, don't don't have. And again, without that built-in trust and familiarity it's hard to get to a real organized game plan right now. And that's going to be the challenge for this team in the next couple of weeks. Some of the bright spots on this team are Jared McCann and Brendan Tanev, when, of course, he's not seeing ghosts and he's not taking pictures as if he's seen a ghost. But <laughs> they they both lead the team with three goals apiece. What kind of spark do they provide for this team? Well, McCann is a sleepy, great, uh, shooter. And I mean, he, he has an unbelievable shot that a lot of people don't recognize. So the pucks in the net, he's three goals already. So does Tanev. Um, but McCann is a guy that, um, you can carry it from five on five to the power play and is, is very good, you know, as a weapon coming off the wall and snapping that shot. He did it a couple of times in the preseason. He, he did it the other night in New Jersey. Um, so he, he's got a shooter's mentality, um, he wants to prove that he can be a legitimate top six player in the NHL. That's his uh, repurpose for you know for his career coming to an expansion team. Tanev is uh, organized chaos all the time, right? And I mean, I think he's got an opportunity to become 
uh, one of the most popular players, if not the most popular player in Seattle. Uh, the look, uh, you mentioned his press photos the last couple of years in Pittsburgh <laughs> and here, um, you know, that, that precedes him, but most importantly, he's, he's tenacious. He never takes a shift off. Uh, he's been rewarded with some scoring plays already. One unbelievable, uh, highlight goal that he scored in Columbus on Saturday night. Um, so, you know, but that's not going to always be there. I don't think for him, maybe, I mean, you gotta, you gotta look at it and say, Hey, just like you would any of these teams that are, that are off to a great start. You know, you mentioned before Buffalo, the three and oh, is that going to continue? I don't know. Maybe it will. And if it does, there's nothing in their game that, sh- that showed anybody that it won't. Same thing with Tanev. Uh, people would say, well, <clears throat> he's not going to score a lot, but he has three goals in the first five games. So um, anyway, you can't take that away from him because he's played that well. So um, that's the type of player. They have a lot of those guys, though. They have a lot of guys that kind of fit that mold of a, a gritty, character-based player that's been a support player that now is here. And uh, some will get an opportunity like Yanni Gord to move up the ladder and do more. And some like Tanev, I see him in the same similar role that he performed in Winnipeg and Pittsburgh. And there's nothing wrong with that because winning teams have a catalytic players. And that's what I consider him. Mark Giordano was plucked from the Calgary Flames. And the first, one of the first things that Seattle did was give him the captaincy, which isn't isn't a surprise considering he has been a captain in, in Calgary for forever now. Um, but there are certain teams in this league that don't have a captain. Uh, the one team that comes to mind is the Rangers haven't had a captain since Ryan McDonough. And that's that's been a few years now at this point. But Seattle made it a point of emphasis to give him the seed right off the bat. How important is that to a young team or a, or a quote-unquote ragtag team like like Seattle? And and what has Mark Giordano done in this time as captain of this of this team? Well, and the other example would be Vegas, right? They never had a captain until you know, this past season where they gave it to Mark Stone and he wasn't an original Golden Knight. So you don't necessarily have to do it. But I think in this circumstance with Giordano, you know, you, you bring in a a unbelievable leader who had to be shell-shocked by the fact that he was plucked in an expansion draft after all those years in Calgary, thinking that, you know, that's probably where his career would end. And it's not his career is going to end likely in Seattle. And so with a year to go in his contract and the fact that they, they bring him in under this, under this circumstance, you know, where do you go with him? If you don't go to him and ask him to take on this level of leadership, you kind of have a situation hanging over your head where one of your best players and leaders is in the last year of his contract. And I don't know where it goes for him moving forward, but I, I got to, speculate that based on the fact that he wears the C um, they have to feel that he's a big part of building that initial culture and he will be the prime example setter for all the players and uh, of what they expect out of a Seattle Kraken player and a figure in the community. And Mark Giordano checks all of those boxes. He checks it on the ice. This is the tail end of his career. There's no doubt about it. But you look at the influence he's had in the community in Calgary over the years. He won the Messier Leadership Award and all these different things, along with the Norris Trophy in 2019. Um, you have full value. 
So I'm happy that they did it. So the questions aren't lingering all year. They've earmarked him as their leader and their captain and the type of guy that you want everybody else to model themselves after. So I say, you know, good on the Kraken for getting to that. John, it's been five games. So this is, this question is going to be a little early, but, but from what you've seen so far and the way that you think that things will change for the better, are the Seattle Kraken a playoff team this season? I felt that they were in training camp. I, I felt that way in the summer based on the names I saw. And I still feel that way um, because I, I, I saw enough to the good in the one, three and one record that I think what is ailing this team can be fixed. If there are certain areas and you were like, well, you can't fix that. It's awfully hard to make trades. It's awfully hard to adjust an expansion roster right away. Um, then I would, have the red flag up but a lot of it was positional a lot of it was a newness of players and trusting players each other on the ice to be in certain places based on a system the coach wants that's what i saw are they going to be a high scoring team no um goal scoring will be a challenge and i think in july when you saw the roster come out that's the first thing everybody said you know who's going to score um you don't get a level talent in an expansion process. It's hard to find, you know, great goal scoring, number one centers. I mean, you're going to have, they're going to have to draft those players, you know, moving forward. It's very hard to acquire it. It's almost impossible to draft it through an expansion deal. Unless you're so Vegas, of course. That's that. Well, not you who <laughs> predicted who predicted. Let me ask you this. Yeah. When they drafted William Carlson, who said, Hey, we got a 40 goal score. Not a lot of people. I'll who, be who, honest. Not, no, not, not a lot one of person. people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not the smartest hockey person on the planet would have For said sure. that. Nobody. And he scored 43 goals in his first year as a Golden Knight. He hasn't lived up to it since. He's been a good player, but he's a two-three center to be fair, a very good one. Um, but that's the thing. They they did get a little bit to, a little bit of lightning in a bottle um, to help them. Um, but you you know, Marcia So is another one of those players who has put up fantastic offensive numbers for Vegas. And there were little, little teases of that in his previous stops with Florida and Tampa Bay, but no one really saw that either. So um, I, I really don't think that exists, though, with the Seattle Kraken. I don't see game-breaking scoring. Um, you know, you've got Eberly who has a knack for scoring, but, you know, he also likes to be a playmaker. Schwartz, same thing. McCann, uh, you go down the list here. Um, then you get two guys who are just going to grind away and play hard. And, and I think, you know, if you want to win two, one, three, two, four, two with an empty netter, this is, this is how they're going to have to do it. So the goalies are going to have to be great. The defense is going to have to be really sound in the team game. Again, I keep trying to reinforce that point, but it's going to have to be lock solid. They're going to have to be at times a, a, a boring team to watch in order to win. That's what I see. Well, the Kraken now have a four-game home saying you got the Canucks and their first ever home game, and then you got the Canadians, the Wild, and the Rangers, which are all four of these games are going to be very exciting for 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 you and for the Kraken. This is going to be their first taste, uh, like we talked about earlier, their first taste of of hockey in almost a hundred yeah. years, John. That's that's wild, uh, yeah. John. Thank you so much for for your time. I mean, at John Forzlin on Twitter, you need no introduction. You need no. You, yeah, you, I mean, like th this is. 
I, I, I say this because I say this not because you're on the show because I, I would say this regardless because like the you know I, I respect you so much and and the way that you've called this game for such a long time and and I wouldn't have you on if I if I didn't value what you had to say and your and your viewpoint so i really appreciate you coming on talking some hockey with me and i will and i promise you the next time that i will ask you to come on will not be two years from now i promise better not be i'll hold you to that i'll, have to, I'll, be, I'll be calling you so you better you better not and, and keep up the great work and the passion for what you do too andrew okay and thanks again for having me and let's Let's uh, let's make it a little bit quicker next time around. <laughs> I promise this. Uh, I I will give you my pinky okay. promise, Sean. That's that's what's gonna happen. All right. Uh, and this Good has been episode. For me. Thank you. Absolutely, John. Thank you. An episode. This is episode number one twenty four of Cho Square number one twenty five. Coming up, coming up real soon. I'll talk to you then.